Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, you guys, this episode once again brought to you by our friends at Noon Hydration, noonlife.com, N-U-U-N, life.com. Check them out. Tis the season to get your ass hydrated. Also, big thanks to our friends over at Fit for Hope, where charity is a team sport. If you're curious what that group is entirely about, check them out on Facebook. Just put into the search engine up top, Fit for Hope, and you'll see it. Pretty cool logo, pretty cool everything, pretty cool group. Let's do the Pack Filler Podcast. Welcome to the podcast that counts miles so it doesn't have to count calories. This is the Pack Filler Podcast. I'm Pat Bulger. We are live at Benedito's Pizza on Spokane South Hill. This is a special episode. Unlike our other live shows, we have no panel of guests. We have no trivia, but we do have plenty of people looking at me who actually, I think, came to actually listen to this. So I always like to prove that we're out in public and not just in my backyard. So if you're here to listen, you can make a little noise. Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, that's good. Uh, today's guest hopped on his bike in Astoria, Oregon, on the morning of June 2nd, started riding east. 20 days later, averaging just over 200 miles per day and covering over 4,100 miles, he finished sixth in the 2018 Trans-America Bike Race. I hope I'm right on my numbers there. Let's welcome to the show Jason Ostriker. How are you, man? Oh, I'm doing great. Hey, uh, first off, dude, congratulations on doing something pretty darn amazing. I, I, I think... All of us around here just were following you in awe as this entire endeavor went down, and um, none of us can imagine doing it, but congratulations, ma'am. Thank you very much, Pat. Have you even come close to recovering? (laughs) Um, No, not really. Uh, There's so many aspects to it. Um, My appetite has just been enormous ever since the race. Even to this day, I'm just eating like you wouldn't believe um, I'm not quite as physically tired as I was last week, but I'm still sleeping eight, eight and a half hours a night, which for me is quite a bit. Um, the first night after the race, I actually slept 13 and a half hours straight, which I probably haven't done since I was a teenager. Wow. 
So give us some perspective here. What was it that initially inspired you to, uh, to give this race a try? It's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, only in its fifth year of existence. And what sparked it in your attention and had you put it on the calendar? Um, so in 2016, there was a woman who won the race. Um, her name's Lael Wilcox. And I just stumbled across a internet news story um, because it was big news because a woman won the race. She beat all the guys. Um, and she was also the first American. I'd never heard of the race until that point. So I started looking into it and probably like everyone sitting here, I was like, what? How could you possibly do that? Like, how could you ride that many miles day in and day out? Um, she actually camped a lot. So there's a lot of sleeping in ditches or just wherever you could find a place. Ugh. And just the sheer impossibility of it all, it just really captivated me because I'd always wanted to ride across the country, but this just took it up like 10 notches and... I like a challenge. <laughs> a challenge, he says. Um, how now? You and I talked before I hit hit the record button here, and you've got a road background. How long have you been cycling, and was was endurance always a part of it, or just a recent kind of a shift in focus? Um, so I started riding mountain bikes in the early '90s, and I actually raced cross country mountain bikes in the '90s. Okay. Um, and in the into the early 2000s, um, not so much in Spokane, but I grew up in Wyoming, so mostly back there. And then I got into road bikes in 2010 um, because I actually wanted to race cross country again, and I read that a lot of cross country guys train on road bikes because of the volume. And next thing you know, I fell in love with road bike riding, and one thing led to another. Um, stumbled into cyclocross from road, and love it all. Um, as far as endurance, no, I've never done much more than a century here and there. <laughs> and so, quite the baptism there, man. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a couple years ago, I thought, hey, let me see how far I can ride. I rode 140 miles. I thought it was just like the most amazing thing. And when I heard about this, I don't know. I thought, why not? Why not give it a try? Hey, some of us have a couple beers and sign up for races in the middle of the winter and don't realize what we've done. I, uh, I signed up for Leadville as out of a bet and, and got into that. And I remember that very specific moment in February going, oh, <laughs> what the hell am I going to do? Um, what was it? Was this always the plan, or was it this kind of a oh, let, what the hell? Let's just see what it's like. And then was there that moment of shock, going, I I got to ride across the country. Yeah, there was. I mean, signing up for it was one thing, but so I tried this race last year as well, and I had to pull out from some injuries, and I was working in California. Um, a few weeks before the race, and I remember flying home on my flight. I had a connection in Portland, so we were flying over the race course, and I remember looking out the window and just <laughs> almost panicking, like, I cannot believe I'm about to try to ride yeah. further than you could possibly see. <laughs> for those of us on the, for those of us here on the on the dark in terms of the Trans Am, who, well, who probably think that a Trans Am is the car the Bandit drove in, uh, smoking the Bandit, um, give us some idea of uh, of what this race is all about. Give us an idea of what what's going on. Obviously, unsupported, but um, anything else you could provide in terms of give us an idea of what the race is supposed to be about. Well, um, basically, it's 
following the Transamerica Trail, which has been a touring trail for the last 40 plus years. Um, yeah, first one there wins. Uh, you can't have any help of any sort. So it's not just about riding your bike. It's also about how well you can deal with problems, how well you can take care of yourself, um, planning ahead each day for meeting your needs. Um, it's also really about how well you can just be inside your brain all day long because you're by yourself. You're rarely around other people. Um, like in my case, I ended up not having headphones or anything for half the race and I was fine with it. I don't know if everyone could have done that, but actually for me, I think I did better without the distraction. Um, so I think it's not just the physical accomplishment, it's also the mental and knowing yourself and knowing your limits. I think there's a reason why generally people in their 40s are pretty much making up almost all of the top 10 in this race um, because I think it takes a while to really develop all of the skills that you need to to actually be successful in this race. As adults, we get better at tuning things out. The kids are crying. Well, I didn't hear them. Um, what do you what do you bring along on something like this? I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, OK, I'm going to go for a long ride today, three, four hours. I'd better pack this, this, this. Next thing I know, I'm packed to the hills. Uh, I can't imagine what you have to I mean, there's stuff you have to purchase along the way. There's things like that. But what is your essentials when you're, when you're heading out on day one? So all I took with me was a basic kit, um, you know, jersey bibs. I didn't take a spare. Um, I had some base layers, arm warmers, knee warmers, raincoat, rain pants, and a down jacket. A couple different kinds of gloves for different kinds of weather. I mean, basically, you have to be ready to suffer because you can't bring everything that you would want to be comfortable. And then I wasn't planning on camping this year, so, you know, I took the expensive route and did hotels every night. So I just brought an emergency foil bivy just in case I got caught out somewhere. Um, so some people haul camping gear. I didn't haul any of that. And then you have to bring tools, tubes, derailleur hangers, spokes. I mean, anything that might break on your bike, you have to be able to fix it. So I had to bring all that, chain lube. You have to bring toiletries and, you know, anything you need to take care of yourself. And then, obviously, you need one of the most important parts is navigation. You know, you have yeah. to be able to follow the course. So I had a Garmin, and then I had my phone with everything backed up. And then I also had... Uh, paper cue sheets just in case worst case scenario so what did all this fit into is this is this yeah you turn one of those little bob trailers is this some sort of a you know a pannier system or how are you overstuffing three back pockets yeah so i spent the money and got ultra light ultra packable on everything so i had a a bag that extended behind my seat um i think it's about 12 liters okay. and then I had a, a small frame bag that went along my top tube and then I had just a tiny bag that went behind my stem and then I had a bag to hold a water bottle and a tiny bit of food I mean really all of that combined was about the size of a backpack Wow speaking of food I, I, I saw a picture on Facebook earlier today you talking about some of the things you've learned and what what type of fueling options you had I think it was a picture of a hot dog and an ice cream cone um, what were what was the food plan going into this? Well, I have to say, when I started the race, I didn't have a very 
good plan. I just figured I'll eat when I'm hungry and I'll eat whatever's available. And the first day didn't go so well. Like my stomach wasn't feeling good. I think I was eating way too much sugar. Um, I literally was just eating junk food from the convenience store. And it wasn't until the second day when we went by this bike hostel and they gave us pasta. And man, I tell you, after I ate that, I went like four or five hours without eating anything. And I felt like rocket fuel was in me. And so from that point on, I tried to eat a solid meal in the morning. And then I tried to, when I was getting close to ending, try to end hungry so I could eat a solid meal at night. So I tried to get two decent meals in and then just snack all day long. Was it definitely a plan of around that specific, I have to reach the specific deadline in terms of distance every day? Or was it, I'm a, I think I'll keep going or something like that? Yeah, I mean, I did have a, a goal to meet a certain mileage every day. I, I wanted to try to do it in about 18 days. So that was, I believe, 237 miles a day. Um, you know, obviously, that's not without camping, that's not always an option because you're limited by where you can get lodging. Um, so, yeah, I did try to make sure I had enough food to get me say 60 miles or whatever and towards the end of the day I did try to make sure that I would end up maybe a little short. Um, I, I gotta add that it's starting to rain right now but and we'd quit if this was baseball but it's not baseball so, so we're gonna stay out here. Um, let's talk about preparation. How the hell do you prepare yourself for this kind of an event? Um, just okay, you know you're going to do it, you sign up, you pay your entry fee. At what point does it become, okay, how am I going to get my body ready to do 200 miles a day? Well, last year I had a, an idea of how to do that, which was <laughs> to ride as many miles as I possibly could to, like Easter weekend, I did a three-day trip, and I camped, and I rode like 600 miles. And that was good for testing out gear, um, but what I came to learn over the last year was that's not necessarily the best way physically to train for this. And so I, s I decided over the last fall to find a coach. And I did a bunch of research, and there's very few coaches that coach ultra-distance events. Um, so I found this guy. His name's Jim Verhul. And I read this article he wrote about how like the the approach I had taken last year was actually exactly wrong um, and that it does nothing but fatigue your body and that you're not actually going to get any stronger by by riding that long and so I contacted him and you know we worked out an agreement and I hired him and in all honesty what I did was probably not much different than what, it, what anyone else does for regular road racing um, I did a ton of tempo and a ton of threshold and a ton of base miles, but I didn't do the intense intervals so much, but I did almost everything like I probably normally would. And it was actually only about 10 to 12 hours a week, um, surprisingly. And until the end, it started to build up. And it was really interesting because I, I trained with a power meter and just week after week, it was like I could hold a few more watts every single week. Wow. And so I could actually see myself getting stronger and felt more and more confident as the race approached. Uh, okay, let's get to the actual race itself um, and, and challenges that presented themselves as the race progressed. What Was there some <laughs> things that kind of came along that, 
that got you to the point where you were thinking, screw it. You like Daniel LaRusso and the Karate Kid. You're going to throw your bike into the dumpster just screaming at it. Nobody's going to get that reference, but that one was just for me. Uh, there was no shortage of challenges. <laughs> okay, um, good. Starting on day three. So last year I pulled out because of my Achilles tendons. Um, day three, at the end of the day this year, both of my Achilles started getting sore, and I, I just was like, no, yeah. like not again. So I cut it short that day. Um, I had some kinesiology tape. I did what I could with it. I didn't have very much, and it didn't really have scissors or anything to, to do it right. Um, the next day, I took it easy. Um, I had a short day. I got some more kinesiology tape. I moved my cleats. I dropped my seat. I did everything you needed to do. And eventually, that problem did go away. So there was that. Right after that happened, um, there was this ridiculous <laughs> electrical hail rainstorm that, like, right in the middle of the day, cut my day in half. And it was so bad. Like, I was going to try to ride through it, but it was so bad. Like, it was terrifying. And I ended up just getting a room in a hotel. Really? So there was that. <laughs> um, Kansas, the entire state of Kansas was a challenge. Uh, if you could imagine 400 miles of dead straight, dead flat into a headwind <laughs> just sucks the really? ambition right out of oh, you. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't even know how I got through Kansas. It was, it was mentally so incredibly hard. Like, there was a section... It was 16 miles into about a 30-mile-an-hour headwind that was probably oh. just about the hardest 16 miles I've ever ridden in my life. Um, I didn't know if I was going to make it. It was, it was awful. And then from Kansas onwards, dogs become a massive issue. I don't know what's going on on the eastern side of the country, <laughs> but people like to let their dogs run loose, and the dogs really like to chase bicyclists. So that was... Um, terrifying at times because I did a lot of night riding and you can't see him coming and it's, it's little glowing eyes yeah. at the last second I'm laughing because I didn't do it and then probably one of the biggest challenges of the whole race came the very last like 36 hours um, they have storms on the east coast that are nothing like here <laughs> and I got caught in some pretty serious rain and lightning and to the point where I was scared for my safety really? at a few points. Um, and I, I like literally ended up in my bivy in a ditch under a tree hiding from the rain next to a, I mean, the ditch was flooding and I just didn't know how bad it was going to get. And roads, the, the course actually got flooded out. And um, the guy who I had ended up passing the day before caught me and we worked together all the way to the finish trying to find ways around all of the flooded roads it was it was so much work that last day like so that that still qual uh, qualifies as being on course per se if you're having to go around a, a flooded out route <laughs> or something like that uh, we literally know? had no choice yeah. i mean there was like we were at a fire station and they told us it could be days before the road would drain oh. enough for us to be able to ride it so um, we tried to contact the race organizer. We couldn't get a hold of him, but he had told us before the race, you know, if a road's closed, find a way around it. So, okay. yeah, I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> exactly. So uh, I, I know this sounds like a generic question, but 
What kept you going? Because I mean, I, I've thought of I've thought of really challenging moments in my you know very shortened distance career um, of what I've been trying to do and things that keep me going. But I'm thinking this will be finished by the end of the day. Uh, you're thinking you know day three. You're feeling all the all of a sudden these pains and 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 things like that. What what was there a a switch in the mind that kind of just puts you into a different perspective, or was there just taking each situation day by day, getting through that 16-mile headwind pace, and then figuring out what the heck the next problem is going to be after that? What kept you doing it? Um, I mean, daily, it was anytime one of those challenges presented themselves, I kept telling myself, like, this is the exact reason you're doing this race. Um, you're the whole reason I did the race in general was I want to find out what I can do. What am I capable of? I've never explored my boundaries like that before. And, you know, that was really important to me to, to find where that boundary was. And I, I got right up onto the edge of it a few times on this race, without a doubt. And, I mean, generally, yeah, you have to take it day by day. It's, it's just too overwhelming to think about. It's, it's almost overwhelming to think about the next 200 miles. Yeah. So... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't know if that answered your question all the way, but... Um. <laughs> no, it, it does. It's just I, there's something that... Uh, I've, I've talked with John Stampstead and, and some of the other types of endurance athletes, and, and, and the perspective of being able to... Yeah, I think what I'm saying is you can't think of the whole race as a, as a gigantic piece that because that's just too much to, to even comprehend. So you almost have to say, okay, from now from here, I got to get to the end of Kansas, and then from Kansas, I got to get to the end to the next stage, and then I got to figure out where I'm sleeping tonight and just break those problems down. I guess we could say. Yeah, and it's really interesting um, how your perspective changes so quickly to the point where, I mean, when you wake up, you're like, all right, cool, 250 miles, like it's no big deal. <laughs> Whereas before this race, I would never have thought I could go ride 250. I mean, I rode 320 miles on one day of this, well, a little over a day of this wow. race, and never, ever would I have thought I could do that before this. And I don't know. I think it's it's it just took that ability to to isolate the day and to, yeah, just figure out what is it I'm trying to accomplish today, you know? Halfway through the race, my goal was definitely on the two riders ahead of me, and I was so focused on that that it really, it, it did make it easier in a way because 
I just was looking at how far I had to go, how much ground I had caught up to them, and how much longer would it take. And that definitely helped make uh, the second half of the race pass by. See, that's another thing that we've, we, I'm finding, especially in all my discussions with people in the sport of cycling, how we are, the, the races that are becoming more popular are the ones where it's more you against yourself or you against the course. You, the way, what you were just speaking of was the thing that I forgot, that it was still a race, that you were still trying to catch the two people in front of you or something like that. And um, I would imagine a little bit of that old school road racing helps with some of that stuff. Still being competitive, not just going, oh, God, am I going to make it tonight? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I had some pretty high ambitions going into this race. I'd hoped for a top five. I'd hoped to do it around 18 days flat. Um, I felt really confident that I could do that, and I have no doubt without the Achilles issues, I would have been right around 18 days. Um, so I was a little in a bad spot. Um, when the Achilles were bothering me. But once I was able to ride again, I was just, it was like, let's make up ground, let's make up lost time, let's do whatever it takes to try to get back on pace and try to get myself back into this race because I feel strong and I wanna, I wanna see what I can do. How about the people you met along the way? I've, I saw the film uh, created, I think, two years ago, Inspired to Ride, um, which covers the same race. Um, and I, I saw some really interesting concepts of not only that your fellow competitors, but just random people you might have met along the course asking you what you're doing or something like that. <laughs> Were there any interesting personalities? So I, we could go positive or negative, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I didn't, I didn't actually spend a lot of time talking to people um i mean everyone would ask like oh where are you writing from where are you writing to and everyone was like what you know they just <laughs> could not believe what you were doing um yeah i i really can't think of any i didn't meet anything or anyone who was like really unusual um it was just interesting as you pass through the country to see uh accents change and yeah. you know just different ways of doing things uh when i was in missouri i stopped at this little cafe for breakfast and she's i'll sit wherever you want and i sat down and i noticed people smoking i was like oh and she came over and i was like oh i didn't realize this is a smoking section that's kind of weird and she looked at me like i was weird and i'm all <laughs> uh I it's, don't a, know. it's a smoking state, sweetheart. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So nobody at any point in time, you know, freaked out, yelled at you for scaring their dogs or something like that. How dare you break your pump <laughs> over my dog's head or something like that? No, but there's so they call them dot watchers. So people who follow the race online, uh, there's a handful of dot watchers dot around watchers. us right now. <laughs> but then there's the dot watchers who come out to the course and. Wow. They might, they're a little bit different. I got to yeah. say some of them, like some of them, it's like, they're stalking you. Like you're in a <laughs> store and they're like, Jason. I'm like, huh? <laughs> I can't tell you how many times that happened. Where really? You're just like, okay. And they're like, here, let me get you a Gatorade. I'm like, okay. Like, thank you. <laughs> I want to wear your skin, Jason. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of them took my, she's like, here, let me take all your trash. You don't need to deal with trash. I'm like, okay. You can, really? Yeah. Just random people. You had no idea who they were. Yeah. I mean, a few of them I knew cause there's a Facebook group for Trans Am and okay. they post a lot on there. So I recognize them from there, but yeah, a lot of them, I had no idea who these wow. people were. So, how did the gear hold up? I guess we could ask too. There's, you know, something that I've I can only imagine 
you know, you talk about derailleur hangers breaking, but you know, what if a headset goes or something like that? Those are my horror stories of thinking about that stuff. But how did everything hold up? Um, well, right before the race, I had new tires, new chain, new cassette. Um, I had the bike hub go through and check everything, cables, bearings, you know, so everything was in top-notch condition. Um, during the race, I got four, I think four flats, and then I got a flat right at the, the monument at the finish because I was so excited to finish that I totally just rammed my back wheel into the curb. <laughs> Um, I snapped a derailleur cable, my rear derailleur cable outside of Baker City, Oregon, and it got replaced, but I think there was something in the housing, because it didn't okay. shift good the entire rest of the race, like it was terrible, and then it, my second derailleur cable snapped right at the monument, um, wow. and then other than that, uh, my Garmin died right at the monument, I mean, literally, at the end of the race, everything was falling apart, yeah, um, yeah. But my like my Garmin doesn't work anymore. Um, I, there's about <laughs> 800 miles of riding on there that I can't access. Oh, no. um, so maybe maybe I'll get it one day. Yeah. When the show's over, I want to find out what tires you were riding because that's one flat for a thousand miles. So that's that's pretty damn impressive. And I had a lot. Some people had none the whole race. Four, really? Yeah. Four flats over a thousand miles. Whatever you're doing, it works. Apparently. Um, was there anything you would have done differently in hindsight? Yeah, as far as gear goes, um, without a doubt, I would have done a different saddle. Um, I got some pretty bad saddle sores. Um, Everybody eat up. And then I would have definitely gone with electronic shifting, um, just so I could have had shifting on my aero bars, because I probably okay. spent three quarters of the race in my aero bars, um, because this race is all about being efficient in every possible way. And... If I wasn't climbing or descending something really steep, I was in arrow, um, mostly because I was really worried about my hands um, because I tattoo for a living. And riding on the hoods for that many hours, uh, lots of people yeah. were getting hand numbness and nerve damage, and I just couldn't afford to have that happen. Oh, wow. Um, of all the places you've ridden, was there any stretches that you thought were the most impressive or, or in terms of beauty or things like that? You're like, man, I, I got to come back here and ride. <laughs> Um, so Eastern Oregon, I always thought was just desolate for some reason, but there's some absolutely stunning mountains there that I've never been to. I don't know what they're called, um, but it was between <laughs> Baker City and Prairie City and then Kentucky and Virginia. I've never been out there before and I was just in love with it. Like it was so beautiful. Um, I really wish I would have had more time to have explored. Wow. Were you... I guess, you know, my wife and I have been on rides before where I'm staring at the trail or the road or something like that, and I'll hear her say, did you see those beautiful flowers blooming on the side of the road or something like that? You know, and part of me envisions you on this, you know, Forrest Gump type of an adventure running across the country <laughs> where there's these, you know, beautiful mountains and mirrored lakes and stuff like that, and, you know, you're, you're having a chance to look around. Were you able to look around very much, or was it just focused, white line, get me out of here? Everything but... Kansas. <laughs> um, no, I, I definitely took it all in. I didn't take as many photos as I would have liked, but I definitely enjoyed the scenery. Um, some stuff like the Tetons was just so beautiful. I couldn't yeah. help but stop and like just take it in because I've, it's stunning. Like, how could you not? Yeah. Not to be all greedy about it, but are there any other rewards other than the you made it across the country? Here's your sixth place <laughs> handshake. 
Go get them, champ. Um, I mean, are they? You, you talked about all these incredible media <laughs> opportunities, but is is there is there a sponsorship kind of a, or is does the race itself have a huge prize purse, or is it just mm, here's your taco? No, there's no prize. Really? Um, no, I mean so far I've gotten a few meals out of it. <laughs> you know, uh, my girlfriend's dad bought me spaghetti dinner last night, <laughs> uh, but. No, uh, you know, so far nothing. And I, I don't know the whole like sponsorship thing. Like I did that last year and I felt kind of weird about it. Like I'm just a guy who rides my bike. I'm not some incredible athlete and I felt almost guilty. Like I didn't give them much and I didn't even pursue it this year because I just thought that's pressure. I don't need to have, I just want to get across this race and do it on my own terms and not feel like I owe someone something. Okay. Okay. Finishing, um, I, I remember, and I, I hate to relate it back to me, but these are my only ways I can put things into perspective. I finished a marathon, and I was in tears. Uh, just that emotional rush that hits you when you're finishing something like that. Was there? What was that experience like, actually mm-hmm. thinking, holy shit, I'm here. I'm finally here. Well, <laughs> there was... You got the bike over the shoulders, which yeah, we were impressed yeah. <laughs> about, too. So. Um, Bef- long before the finish, there was uh, many, many emotional points where I was breaking down in tears. Um, but actually, the last day, uh, Tim Tate, who came across the line with me at the same time, we just wanted to be done so bad that we were just drilling it. Like, we were riding like 20 plus miles an hour, and literally, there was no time to think about anything, but I can't let him get away from me, and he. <laughs> I can't. Well, we had an agreement, but I didn't know if I could trust him. So you're still lining up for a sprint or something like that. So <laughs> honestly, I was kind of bummed how the finish went because I didn't get to just take it all in because yeah. we all the way to the monument. We were just going as hard as we could go, and we just wanted to be done at that point. Um, at the monument, it was kind of overwhelming because there was a crowd there. I didn't even expect. Um, yeah. There was probably at least 20 people and it was like almost midnight (laughs) and I actually just expected you know my mom and my girlfriend and maybe one or two people so it was cool I I, that might have got to me if I had been by myself um but I don't know it was there's just so much going on I, I didn't have time to really um I guess feel that if this if this were an Oscar speech and you had to list off a group of people to 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 thank I mean, I can I can think of, you know, when you when you're in situations in life that require your time, that require patience from friends, families, loved ones, sponsors, stuff like that. Was there anybody that you were like, if this person was not around, there's no way I would have made it, even along the course. Undoubtedly, um, my girlfriend Katie has been so supportive through the whole thing, and she's well played to- seeing that one first, by the way. <laughs> She's been smart man. Listen to hours and hours and hours of me talking about this race. Um, <laughs> and more this hours. A, this is an audio <laughs> podcast. She just closed her eyes and slowly shook her head up and down. And then uh, my coach, uh, he was so easy to work with. And I learned so much about how to actually train on a bike. Like for all these years, I've just gone out and hammered really hard and yeah. made my legs sore. And I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, this entire year, even up to till day, today, I haven't had sore legs a single day this entire year, even though I've done 600-watt intervals here and there. Like, wow. um, He's just really 
got the system down to where you're recovering right and you're not pushing too hard. I could definitely couldn't have done it without him. Um, I mean, the bike hub in so many ways has helped me out with getting my gear and getting me ready and getting my bike fit right and just every aspect of it. And then the entire community of um, dot watchers like and family and friends who sent me such overwhelming support. Like, I can't even tell you. I've never had where I've opened Facebook and had like 100 plus notifications before <laughs> and like... And my text messages, I mean, it was just going crazy. It was, just, it was so encouraging to see that. Um, so, yeah. So uh, not to put any pressure, but, but what is, what's the next thing? What, you know, okay, you've done this. You've, I mean, top 10 in anything like this is, is an incredible accomplishment. Are you thinking to yourself, I'm an endurance pro now. I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to do the I did a bike. I'm going to ride around the world in 18 days or something like that. You know, is, is, there, what, is there anything else on the horizon? Or are you just thinking to yourself, thank God that's done? Um, definitely glad it's done. Definitely have no <laughs> desire to do the Trans Am again. But I do think I actually might have a knack for this. Yeah. Um, so there's some events that are much shorter, uh, like the Cross Washington race or the BC Epic 1000 that are, you know, more like three to five days. Yeah. And I think those seem really interesting to me. Um, I mean, I haven't really looked into any of it too much yet, but that would, that would be my guess. I, the idea of going back to just regular road racing, just, I don't know, like it's just so much time every week like you know to drive there i i miss it i miss the community so much but at the same time it it, it actually eats up a lot of time yeah. and yeah. i don't know um okay uh, you know i'm just thinking about in terms of you know a lot of times on this show we talk about where the sport is going and where things are, are evolving and to hear your perspective thinking do i want to get back into road racing and yeah, it does. Is and it's interesting to hear somebody who had to put the time commitment in that you did, talking about road racing taking almost more time. Oh, I think it definitely does. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, like 2012, 2013, I was doing between road and cyclocross 50 races a year. Yeah. So, yeah, that took a ton of my time. Um, training for this race really, it was. It was pretty minimal on the bike. I actually did quite a bit of core and strength training, almost as much time doing that as bike riding. Um, so I guess it did take a lot of time as well, but I feel like road racing would be all that plus more, plus more travel um, because we don't have a lot of races in Spokane. Yeah. So, you know, now we have to go, you know, to the west side or Oregon or Montana. So you've, deta uh, you've detailed this trip on, on social media. There were people following you, obviously, on Facebook. Uh, you've got, uh, you, you talk about some photography. You talk about, before we talked about the show here, you said that you've, you've written stories about this trip from last year and from this year. Um, is there somewhere people can find these images, these words, these things you put together to, uh, of your detailed experience? Um, well, I do have an Instagram page, um, which is just my name. And then... I have a blog page. Um, I am actually writing a blog for this year's race, but it's going to be a while before it's ready um, because I'm actually, I want to do a really, really good job with it. Um, I want it to convey 
more than just like the facts of what happened, you know, because most of the racer blogs, that's what they are. Like, oh, I, I rode here, I ate this, I slept here. Yeah. I want it to be a lot more about what I was experiencing personally and what was going through my mind and yeah, the challenges, like, you know, how, how did this really impact me and how did it, it change my race or, you know, how, how did I cope with it? Um, I don't feel like I've read that so much in a lot of the blogs. And yeah. I think that a lot of the race caught me off guard because I hadn't read those kind of things. And uh, I'd like to share that with other people who might be doing it in the future. Well, that's funny because one of my last questions before I ask anybody else who's here who wants to ask you anything um, was if you had any just quick words of advice for somebody who's sitting here listening to this going, you know what, I'm going to do that next year, man. Uh, you know, the, sure, I've had five beers, but I'm doing it. Where do I sign up? And then you get that email the next day going, congratulations. You just, oh, shit, what am I going to do? What, what would your advice be to those poor saps? Uh, power meter. Okay. <laughs> power meter made my race for sure. Just in terms of being able to know what watts you're pushing throughout the entire thing, you just tried to maintain a specific number? 160 watts. Okay. I can ride for 30 hours straight. Wow. Like, once you know that, you know if you're pushing too hard or not. Okay. Um, you know, if you're going to do a short day or whatever, push a little harder. But you also know you can't push over X amount of watts yeah. or you're not going to be able to ride the next day. Um, so there's that. And then, I don't know, like... It's such a mental game. I just I feel like there's just so much mental preparation that needs to be done. Um, you need to know the course inside and out. Uh, lots of people, myself included, I made incredibly detailed spreadsheets of every single convenience store and hotel and <laughs> restaurant in every single town and the mileage between every single point. And by doing that, I actually knew even though I've never been to any of these places, I knew what was coming up ahead of time. Um, and that was so incredibly helpful. Um, and just helps to wrap your head around like how hard it's gonna be in certain places to find the things you need, you know? Like in Wyoming, there's a 125 mile stretch where I rode it overnight. So I had to have enough stuff for 125 miles because yeah. there was nothing available. And if I didn't know that ahead of time, <laughs> Yeah, that would have been a bad situation for sure. Because yeah, here I'm sitting in my mind going, "Well, sure, there's a freaking Seven Eleven somewhere in Wyoming at this given point <laughs> in time." But then yeah. I'd be the guy on the side of the road <laughs> providing food for other wildlife after that experience. Yeah, I I did run out of food a couple times through some poor. I just didn't look at my sheets. Okay. I like I was in such a rush. I didn't pay attention to some things I should have. Um, it's amazing how far you can ride on a couple cliff bars and a, a Coke, though. <laughs> you can ride 110 miles if you have to. Oh, I didn't want to find that out, but I did. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, um, I, I, I don't know if anybody here, if I've covered anything, but if anybody around sitting around us has any other questions, you feel free to come on over and ask him something. If not, I'll give a, a short pause, I guess. We got a question. All right. Good to hear. I think you answered... Actually, most of my questions, but and I feel like I caught the garter belt at a wedding when he asked about who's what crazy people would do this again, and you looked right at me. And I'm like, oh my god, this might actually happen. Um, anyway, I guess I was thinking about your Achilles tendon problems, and you know, talk a little bit more about 
because I remember last year when you couldn't do it because of that. And, you know, when, when you started to have that problem again, I was like, oh, my God, he's not going to make it. And, you know, what helped you through that? Did you get – were there suggestions from, you know, the, the dot watchers that helped or somebody else, you know, they got you through that? Because it sounded like you found a way to do the tape that worked. So a couple things. Um, that reminds me of someone else I should have thanked. <laughs> Uh, Ryan Height at U District Physical Therapy. Um, so I went to physical therapy this last year and did a lot to to strengthen and stretch and to get my Achilles in better health. So yeah, when that happened, I thought the same thing was going to happen. But last year it was like intense, like it was so painful. And this year it didn't get to that point. Um, so right off the bat, I, I did post on Facebook that I was having a problem. And um, Wendy Stredwick, who's a friend of all of ours oh, yeah. here in Spokane, she's a physical therapist. And so she sent me a link to a video on how to actually tape them the right way, which was not the way I had taped it, which was good to know. Um, and then also my coach, he, he immediately, and actually Mick from the Bike Hub both texted me right away and uh, told me to make sure my cleats were all the way back and that my seat was just a tiny bit lower. Uh, to get my Achilles in a, a better position for the long haul. And I think all those things combined um, is what did the trick for sure. So, yeah, I got a little bit from a couple friends who saw my message. We good? Everybody good? Uh, Jason, first of all, thank you for your time, for coming on the show. And um, I think we probably have people around who would probably give you a last round of applause for doing what you did because it takes guts and it takes strength. <laughs> Nice work, man. And uh, thanks to Beneditos. Thanks for the people who are here to come and listen. And thanks for the people who are just going, wow, we just wanted a quiet dinner. Uh, and we had this jackass on a microphone. But I um, appreciate that. And, um, yeah, let's follow the blog. Let's kind of uh, hear your story. I'd love to hear more about what goes on in the future for it. Congratulations, man. Cool. And if you want to follow it, it's Mighty Squirrel Hunter at WordPress. Oh, Org, I think. <laughs> I, I, I closed the show too early because there's a mighty squirrel hunter story in there somewhere. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.